I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. It is easier for us to sit around and say, Taliban is not going to allow anything. But I think if they want to go to school, why should we stop them? So I think making a small difference is big. You just have to not stop. You keep moving forward. Welcome to the first bonus episode of Stranger Becomes Neighbor. I'm Andrea Smartin. In the podcast, we met Nazifa, a former refugee from Afghanistan who came to the U.S. back in 2002. I mentioned that Nazifa and her sister established a nonprofit called Hope for Afghanistan. Their goal was to improve Afghan quality of life through education, especially for girls and women. Hope for Afghanistan mainly partnered with private schools, including the high-profile Marifat School in Kabul, thought to be one of the most progressive schools in Afghanistan, encouraging independence of thought and democratic ideals. But after the fall of Afghanistan in 2021 and the rise of the Taliban, everything Nazifa had been working for, the students and teachers she supported with her nonprofit, it all ended overnight and there was nothing Nazifa could do to help. For a while, Nazifa turned her attention to the new arrivals in her community. But I wanted to know what happened for students and teachers in Afghanistan after that. Was there any hope of continuing the work they had started? So two years after the U.S. withdrawal, I sat down with Nazifa to get an update on her organization and to find out what keeps her going amidst all the challenges. We started our conversation back where her journey in education began on a family trip to Afghanistan in 2016. It was her first time back to her home country after fleeing for her life at the age of 12. And it was her first time visiting the renowned Marifat School. And I was talking to the founder of the school and the principal, and they said that a lot of the families, when they bring their kids for admission, And if they have limited financial resources, they would be more likely to choose their son to get education than their daughter. And those daughters would be sitting on a waiting list for a scholarship. And that kind of piqued my interest. And I asked them, you know, what's the cost of tuition for a student to study for an entire year? And they said, well, with the uniform books and uh, education, it will cost you $250. So we established the Hope for Afghanistan in June of 2016. Uh, and we were, we said, we are going to personally sponsor with our own money or we're going to do some fundraising to um, sponsor at least 25 students every year. And what were you hearing from these girls as far as what did they want to accomplish? What were their 
uh, ambitions? All of them actually wanted to be a politician. They wanted to be a doctor, lawyer. I think they all had big dream and they're really hardworking with very limited resources. Um, they worked hard. They walked. Some of them worked for an hour every day to get to school and they stay late to take extra classes. Um, they, most of them sp- spoke very well English. Um, so I was really surprised. And so we did that. We started pretty small, 25. And then I went back with my sister to Afghanistan in 2019. And we actually sponsored um, their entire adult program, um, which was 250 students. And these are all mostly women who were studying, trying to get their high school diploma in an accelerated program. Instead of studying for 12 years, they were studying for six years because they would study two years in one. Um, and so these are mostly women who got married really young, uh, whether they were arranged marriage, forced marriage, or whatever. You're educating girls, like individual girls and women, but there's a sort of underlying trying to sort of change society to this I, I, idea of changing society, right? Yes. And I think our idea wasn't just to educate women and girls. I think we wanted to kind of create a change, more of um, independence, right? Women become independence. They should be able to read and write. They should be able to question their kids what they're reading, right? Um, so that was our purpose. Um, so and some of these women had jobs and they, you know, worked and they also went to school. And we actually had really good ideas. We wanted to, uh, my sister wanted to start um, some sort of um, a company to just through nonprofit so they can get babysitting, they can work so they can earn money and they can go to school. But our dream didn't really get there because of the Taliban. Yeah. So I was wondering about that. It seemed like all of these dreams, did it just collapse all at once? Did it seem like it was over? Was, is there, does it continue in any form? Our connection with the Marifat High School at least collapsed. Um, we don't have any connections. The founder came to America and a lot of the students and uh, teachers actually got evacuated. Um, so I have not reached out to them. I don't know, but we're also helping another school that they are. Um, so we're paying for three of their teachers and the classroom and the books and supplies um, and I don't want to um, disclose the name because of the Taliban. Um, but then, so this is happening in secret in, in hiding. secret uh-huh. right now. But there are teaching so girls that are up to sixth grade. Some girls are yeah. allowed to go to school before up to sixth, sixth grade. grade yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Uh, and we had some girls that were older than sixth grade, um, but recently we got some news that. Um, we may get in trouble for it, or at least not me because we're living in America and the teachers who are teaching uh, or the students, their life may be in danger. So we actually had to kind of close those um, the doors for those calls that are older than... Because it's that risky. 
Yeah, and then at the beginning, we had our classes combined, girls and boys, but Taliban currently have a restriction. So we actually have to separate the boys and girls. So the classes now are boys and girls then, yeah, separate? we're separate. Because yeah. they have to be. Yeah, yeah. Are boys also not able to go to school? or? And these are boys who actually don't have either they're orphan, they don't have parents, or they don't have one parent. Um, and they are not able to go to a full-time school, right? Because um, the schools are for four hours. So we're teaching them everything in two hours. So, and then we also adjust the time based on when these kids are open, like free time. Because they're, most of them are working. Yeah, most of to, them are to working. To survive. To survive. How do you choose who gets to be in the class? Um, we have a waiting list because it's free uh, at the beginning. So it's paid for. Yeah, and mm-hmm. it's it's also a private school, right? So you we uh, we actually have a contract with the school. Um, so we're telling them three of your classes will pay for your teacher's salary, will pay for the rent of the classroom, and we also pay for the books, and we also pay for the students' notebook, pen, but then you don't charge admission fee for everybody who's coming to that class. But we have, at the beginning, I think our classes were really small because people were really scared to come out of their house. But now that they have heard this more word of mouth, right, their friends, their relatives, they know each other. So we have a waiting list right now. So we, our classes are 30 people um, 30 students so we currently have 90 the next when they finish then we have people who are on the waiting list the next group comes in and join is it still called hope for afghanistan it is yes (laughs) yeah we 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 have a small budget um we have a small group of friends mostly my sister's friend that donates money so they take a responsibility of sponsoring one or two students and most of, you know, the four people in the board of directors, most of the fundings come from us personally that we're donating to help. Uh, and it means we do help a lot with our small budget that we have. Do you still have hope? Uh, I do, yes. <laughs> I think it's always good to have hope. What, what's the source of hope for you? Where do you, where do you find it? Um, so, for example, uh, in Afghanistan, eat. Uh, celebration is big. Um, so as part of our appreciation for the student, student to put their life in danger and go to school, we actually bought new clothes for all of our students. And we also, for for one month of Ramazan, uh, we provided them everything they needed for fasting for a whole month. Mm. So and I think that kind of gave me hope. Did it's, you hear back from them? Yes, that? and I had their pictures and, you know, they were so grateful. Some of them were crying. They didn't actually know that they were getting this much donation. Uh, when they came in with their family, we gave them, you know, 
a big bag of fries, flour, oil, like the entire month of grocery. Um, and they just were so happy. They were all crying. So, it, I mean, so we're doing some really small stuff. We helped about 30 people, but it, it made a big difference. $3,000 worth yeah. of stuff. Yeah. 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 Uh, like one of the students sent us a really video for us and I cried for it because a small kid was talking about um, one of our students, how our classes is the only happiness he gets because he's like six years old, um, no parents. Um, so, and he has to work to make money uh, for the family. Um, so he said the only happiness he gets when he goes to class. And that made me really cry. Because mm. I think that's, that's hope that's making a difference for someone's life. So one of the driving questions of this podcast for me is what can one person do? You know, when the world around you is in upheaval, you're just one person with one life. What can you do? Uh, if you find yourself overwhelmed by a tough situation, how do you move forward? How do you decide what's best? So for, I think for people who look at the situation in Afghanistan with the Taliban in power, women not allowed to be educated, to work, to be out in public in some cases, and then the humanitarian crisis on top of it, people can't even work and make enough money to get food. I think a lot of us think, what can I possibly do, right? How would you respond to that? I think what are you capable of doing? It? Maybe a small thing that you think is not going to make a difference, but it will eventually. I think it's easy to talk about something and not do, and I think action should speak for it. What I notice with Afghanistan, I think a lot of people talk about it, but they don't take an action. Like... Um, I and my sister, you know, we did close our classes uh, because of our association with Marifat High School. Um, some students reached out to us and said they wanted to study. And we actually told them, you know, it's Taliban. It's, you know, you may get in trouble, but they still wanted to go to school. They cried. And that's why we actually said it is easier for us to sit around and say, Taliban is not going to allow anything. But I think if they want to go to school, why should we stop them to just pay for a tuition or for a teacher's salary? And so I think making a small difference is big. You just have to not stop. You keep moving forward. Thanks to Nazifa for joining me today. I have an update on the Marifat School. About 450 Afghan schoolgirls and their family members have been successfully relocated to Canada. The founder of the school, Aziz Rayesh, who has been the target of death threats, was also evacuated. For more information or to support Nazifa and her sister's work with Hope for Afghanistan, visit their website, hopeforafghanistan.org. That's hope, the number four, afghanistan.org. You can also find them on Instagram and Facebook. This bonus episode was produced by me, Andrea Smartin, and Nina Ernest. Mixing by Trent Sell. Cheryl Worsley is our executive producer. Thanks for subscribing to Bonus Content. 
It helps fund our work on more podcasts like this. If you could also give us a rating and write a review, it will help more people discover the show. And if you like us, tell your friends. For more on Stranger Becomes Neighbor, please visit our website, strangerbecomesneighbor.com. Thanks for listening. Stranger Becomes Neighbor is a production of KSL Podcasts.